people of Norway are so obedient. They don't dare to raise their voice. The system loves uh, coercion and punishment. It's rather sad to hear because I don't think in the popular mind in the world, people thought of Norway being analogous to China in any way. Hey, my friends, we know that the COVID tyranny was really scary and it was really weird in the United States, even stranger in Canada. But imagine if we had a case where someone posted on Facebook about, you know, the jabs being a problem <laughs> before Facebook shut him down for that. Imagine if the government came to him. The authorities came in and detained him, brought him to a psychiatric unit and confined him there. That couldn't have happened. That would be way too extreme. No, it's not. That happened actually in Norway. And we've got the individual here to talk to us about what happened with his lawyer. You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode of The John Henry Weston Show. Listen, dear friends, long gone are the days where you and I could just simply trust what the nightly news broadcasted or consider what we read in the local newspaper as the truth. The mainstream media deceives the world, telling them bold-faced lies and often using fear to scare and control the masses. Now, how many of you are already seeing your friends and family back to grabbing their masks or scheduling another vaccine due the, to the uptake the media's covering about COVID or something else? Well, we've had enough. We can't let the mainstream media shape our culture and influence our family and friends. We must make sure that the truth is available to all to remind and warn the world of the lies that are continuing to be spread. So today at LifeSite, we kick off our fall campaign, and I need your help to strengthen LifeSite's voice for truth, to keep LifeSite News fully operational in the United States, Canada, and around the world. We must raise 500000 by October the 1st. So please pause this video now, pray right now about making a contribution, and then do as you are called to do by the Lord. Thank you for your attention. And now, back to the program. Trond Holland and Barbara Paulson, welcome to the program. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, Trond, if you can tell us what happened to you, if you, if you don't mind, just start from the beginning, because while some readers of Life said, I'm sure, have seen this story, there's many, many people who have not yet seen it at all. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us what happened. Well, I wake up in the morning to knocking on the door. I don't know what, the, what it was. I was half awake and I yelled something. The mobile phone um, called and it was on, on the police and they said they were going to break in if I didn't open the door. So I went out and there was two police officers and two healthcare, uniformed healthcare officers, a doctor and I think a nurse. And they said, uh, we are concerned about your mental health because we have been uh, reading some posts on the internet and uh, we want to know what the posts are about. And uh, I started answering. I still wasn't quite awake. So, yeah, and then I decided to film what was going on. So I took the camera uh, and started filming uh, them. And then when I was standing there, I sent, of course, I had Barbara on my my list, friends list on, on Facebook. So I sent her a message and um, asked her for assistance. I said I was in trouble. I did that when they were standing there 
so I knew about her. They started asking questions and I didn't want to answer. So they said that they wanted to take me with them and said if that was okay. And I said, I don't have any options. So I went along and uh, they sent an ambulance and uh, they drove me to the hospital. And then uh, I was um, forced into into psychiatric um, acute for 24 hours. It was an acute um, post. Things started happening. It was actually starting to get a lot of attention very quickly. So when I sent those videos, those spread and uh, and uh, many people contacted me and I has, I have a network. I have, I have some friends and, and activists that are working with me. They came visit me the first night. Then I was transferred to another um, part of the hospital and then I got the letter that I was um, under um, forced psychiatric um, treatment and not observation. Days just went and I, it was okay. And the people that were working there was okay and uh, it was quite boring, but I got a lot of visitors. And, and after nine days, I got um, my case up in the first court, that's Control Commission. And I won there. Uh, I got um, um, released from. Uh, from custody and and it was uh, anonymous. It was all voted for letting me go. What did your posts say that they were so concerned about? What were the Facebook posts that were so offensive? They didn't read the posts. So they said it was uh, conspiracy theories, uh, but it's a lot of statistics because I have some mathematics and I, I've gone into them, excess deaths and VS data on the batch numbers. So it was mostly about those things that was the purpose, but I also mentioned other things, but my ambition in this was to try to get attention to these um, these statistics, these numbers that shows that the vaccines are not safe. Uh, and um, um, yeah. So simply for pointing out um, issues with the vaccines and where did you get, we call them vaccines, the COVID jabs, whatever they are. Um, but where did you, where did the statistics come from? I had a lot from the West data, and um, I also got some on the access test from a Norwegian professor Orsta, and also a British mathematician, a statistician, Fenton, Norman Fenton. So I used those sources, and um, I also used data from gov- government data, from and VS is also gov domain, so it's it's um, government data, um, and I use those sources. So Here you are posting publicly available, for the most part, government information. VAERS is the vaccine adverse event um, database in the United States. It's a, it's a government um, entity. Um, it's, it is self-reported and whatnot by doctors, but still. Um, so here you are using this. And for this, you get committed forcibly uh, into a psychiatric institution until you win a case. Okay, this is really bizarre. In America, anyway, we're used to Facebook um, telling us we can't post such things and kicking us off Facebook. Not the authorities coming and banging on our door in the middle of the wee hours of the night. Maybe I can ask you, Barbara, how how is this even possible? Is this a thing that happens in Norway? What is this? This is maybe the most direct case I've had where they actually say it's because of the Facebook post, the frequency of the Facebook posts. Uh, But we have a very deep and um, brutal tradition in Norway 
of use of force because I think we have a foundation a little bit about before for many years ago from the communistic way of um, treating your people that instead of doing it out so people can actually see what's happening uh, they are using subtle forms of coercion and and um, threat to your freedom because they take you away from the first story I know about is from the 1990s where a lawyer uh, who was uh, in um, uh, working out the EU deal of Norway and uh, she was coerced into psychiatric ward uh, after notifying about uh, that we were about to to give away our sovereignty to um, other countries, you know, to sign this deal. So I don't think this is very new in Norway, but this case with Holland is special because they actually said it out loud. And the case when I had it in court, the mini court, uh, they actually uphold the, the the narrative that it was because of his frequent posting on on Facebook. So it it was absurd even for for me, who is critical in the beginning. This is rather stunning. What do the people of Norway think that basically they have politicized the medical establishment, the the police? Because is there no allowance for debate on issues that are you know, clearly political. I mean, when when you're talking, as you did in your example about, you know, giving away your sovereignty to the United Nations or World Health Organization, whatever organization, that's clearly a political argument. You can present, you know, proof for that or whatnot. Um, and people can maybe contest it. But that's normal political discourse, as should be uh, this about the COVID vaccines. The COVID vaccines were plainly shown by some of the great doctors in the world, uh, very noted doctors, some of the most published doctors in the world, to be a danger. Um, but, you know, all over the world, we did see some, uh, you know, coercion uh, because of this. But I think uh, Trond Hallon's uh, case really does stand out because it seems so bizarre um, that, you know, they're they're going after him in this way for Facebook posts and then Go with that narrative. Uh, what do you think the point is in, in terms of the authorities doing this? I think they missed a little bit about this case because they probably thought that uh, Trun was maybe more lonely, that he didn't have this big network of people. They didn't estimate that the media, the alternative, of course, you know, you know would write about this and that he had a lot of visitors and that he, he got a lawyer who are awake to these mechanisms because I've been working towards these mechanisms for um, maybe my entire life because my father also was a lawyer and he was uh, awake for human um, breach. So I just think they missed out. That I, I thought they, there are so many thousand people in Norway who are forced on psychiatric wards and I had lots of clients last three years, which when I read documents, um, there could be uh, doctors uh, writing about this, maybe this young guy two years ago in Trondheim, 
which is a middle big city in Norway. In his epicris, uh, it stood, this patient has no contact with reality. He thinks that Bill Gates is going to kill the world with poisonous vaccines. And they put him into psychiatric wards for uh, two months. He was 22 years old. And he said that when we he was out on the city with his friends and getting drunk. So uh, it took two months to get him out. So uh, they never said that it was because he was a conspiracy theorist, because this was in 21, like they did here in, in Trun's case. But the good stuff about Trun's case, it that they underestimated him as a person. They thought he was uh, someone else. And when they had done all the things they did to him and hold him for 10 days, I talked to him maybe four times a day and they pushed drugs on him. And they just, it was like they they wanted him to get sick. So uh, like I said to Tron, you have to just uh, be polite and say, no, don't get mad because in Norwegian psychiatric uh, wards, they want to create a reaction so they can have cause. To get this straight, so he, he was given psychiatric drugs? They tried to give him. Okay. Yeah, he refused. His refusals were accepted? Yeah, they were, were but if I would have stand, uh, been, been there longer, maybe be forced medication also, I think that would be the... If I didn't get out, uh, I would have be, been forced medication. That uh, Yeah. Right, and had you presented with uh, against uh, you know your lawyer's uh, advice with with anger or with with some kind of um, uh, upset <laughs> very understandably so but nonetheless reaction um, you could have been sedated or whatever anyway yeah but I decided that when they came on the door I was very uh, I, I understood that I must stay calm and I must be polite and I must um, act properly but I didn't want to talk too much and that was also used against me so they used um, um, cover, that I was covering up my symptoms tildekina that's covering up they used an expression in Norwegian tildekina and um, so in a way everything was used against you if you didn't show any symptoms you were only covering them so yeah and I was telling the doctor that I was getting a lot of attention and then I was suddenly uh, grandiose and uh, manic, uh, but I said that it was in the Stegan paper, and it was actually true. But she she interpreted my case was getting a lot of attention as illness, but it was actually true. It was actually happening in Norway that people were actually be becoming aware of the case, and it was getting a lot of attention. So she was, in a way, um, uh, interpreting that as illness, but it was actually true. So. It was absurd. <laughs> is there no political opposition in Norway that opposes this kind of thing? Has this been talked about politically at all? Or is this sort of just accepted as the way things are? We have been convicted in the EU, EMD, uh, Strasbourg and uh, uh, the courts of Europe. We have been convicted time and time in, in child uh, cases uh, with this, uh, what's the name in, in, in uh, America? Uh, child protection services and in psychiatric cases like uh, in Norway is one of the worst countries in the in Europe uh, when it comes to cases like this so the political opposition in Norway my I'm the mayor candidate of a party in Oslo so we just had an election two days ago 
and we did very good. But you know, we know who is going to win. The opposition is dead, and uh, the, the opposition is very small. They Norway is a small country, and they don't dare anymore to say anything about this. But the biggest uh, channel, media channel in Norway, actually wrote a very big, with me, I wrote with the journalist, a big article in NRK, which is uh, the state, uh, like the BBC. And uh, we have been waiting for two and a half weeks, and I talked to the journalist because they were going to publish it two weeks ago, and then last week. And then I got a message from him to yesterday, and he said to me, we are going to print it now. It's only one editor left to look through it. And then they got a phone from Stavanger Sykehus Hospital, where Tron was. And they are now pushing NRK to not uh, publish it with uh, because if they publish this case, the hospital, which is a big one, are afraid that people will stop uh, uh, trying to get help from psychiatric wards in Norway. <laughs> so we cross fingers, but uh, where the climate in Norway is now, it's so absurd. You, you, People of Norway are so obedient. They don't dare to raise their voice if they are in the establishment. I know that they, they understand. Many of them understand what's happening. And I work with many trials and courts and judges and all over uh, the country. And I can see that they actually like what I do more and more because they they see it now, but they they are not ready yet ready to you know uh, raise their voices. The church is in the greatest crisis of its two thousand year history. The church, our mother, needs your help like never before. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said, "Who's going to save our church?" It's not the bishops, it's not our priests, it's not the religious. It's up to you, the people. You have the minds, the eyes, and the ears to save our church. Your mission is to see that priests act like priests, your bishops act like bishops, and the religious act like religious. Those are the words of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And yes, we are called to pray and fast. We're all called to pray and fast about this, but some of you are called to lead this fight. Some of you are called to fund the effort. Where are you called? Pray about that. And heed the Holy Spirit. As you know, the Synod on Synodality is about to launch. LifeSite will be there reporting every day on what's taking place. And we already know that it will be a scandal. But we are also called to act. And some, especially those called by the Holy Spirit, are asked to speak boldly, to reject the falsehood, and stand for the unchanged and unchangeable truth of Christ and His one holy Catholic and apostolic church. If you feel that you are called to be one of those leaders, consider joining us in Rome at the end of the Synod, to be there as a sign of resistance to the setting up of a false new church, and as a sign of adherence to the only church founded by Christ himself. 
Rome Life Forum is a two-day strategy conference for Catholic leaders defending the truths which are most under threat on sexuality, family, and liturgy. Are you called to leadership in this fight? Are you called to join us at Rome Life Forum? If so, go to romelifeforum.com and I'll see you in the Eternal City with Cardinal Muller, with Bishop Joseph Strickland, and an army of faithful Catholics such as Michael Matt, Alexander Chugowell, Reggie Littlejohn, Liz Yor, Christopher Ferrara, Terry Barber, Hugh Owens, and many more willing to die for the one holy Catholic and apostolic church of our fathers. This is John Henry Weston for LifeSite News. May God bless you. And now, back to the program. I'm sorry I'm not that familiar with the politics in, in Norway, but I, I, I thought surely you'd have an opposition that's, that's fighting this kind of thing. But I guess when all the opposition uh, is put in psychiatric units uh, until they comply, uh, <laughs> then that doesn't happen anymore. Quite sadistic in this country. If people visit Norway... It's uh, the people here are very polite and it's a, it's a beautiful country. And we are from, you know, farmers and Vikings and, and humble people, but we are so brutal in the, you know, the way of treating one another in this country. We just, uh, the system loves uh, coercion and punishment. You won the case and that's how Tron got released. Um, and so where is it now? Is there any kind of redress? Are, because they lost, do they have to pay some kind of damages? Because I presume, Tron, you, you lost wages for not working. Um, you, you had to go through the legal expense. Do they have to cover that? Or is it just, what what's going on there? We are preparing a case and she has been in an election and now uh, as a mayor candidate. And uh, we, we're starting up now and I, I sent some complaints to the hospital and to to the commissioner and written some letters, so we are working on it, so it's on its way. The court system in Norway, is, it's built up like, uh, it's very hard to sue as a private person in Norway, because it's very expensive. I know it's expensive uh, in other countries as well, but if you compare it to Germany then, Germany has, uh, and in Sweden actually, uh, you have uh, smaller courts that you can go through but in Norway, I have to take it to them, the first uh, the appeal court or the Supreme Court. So it's three uh, places only that you can try your case. And it's a lot of uh, hundreds and thousands of Norwegian uh, krona just to see the case like that. So many, many people, they stop because of the costs. Who is policing the Internet? I mean, do you have... Uh, is there like a government body that's watching people's Facebook posts? Like, how does this even happen? Yes, it is the law. It's called in Norway, offentlighetsloven. So it's the public law where lawyers and where thrown in his case, if he wants to read his own documents in that his own journals, he is allowed to do that. But they are closing that window also uh, because they have changed now the law of the public opportunities to look into what's happening behind the curtains. And that uh, we know is the police security. It's out in the open. They are actually um, supervising all of the Norwegian citizens now. We used to think it was bad with China, but it's every bit 
the same with with Norway. It's rather sad to hear because I don't think in the popular mind in the world people thought of Norway being analogous to China in any way. Norway is so beautiful and, and seemingly free. Is there a plan? I mean, I know you're working on it, um, but is there a, some kind of movement, a plan to bring some kind of freedom back to the country? Oh, yes. We are so many people now. And in the election, we did good in 13 uh, cities uh, of Norway now and really growing. So, so many people are, you know, waking up to the fact that maybe we actually never was free in Norway, but Norway has so much money because of the oil who was um, uh, found in 75. And so Norwegians haven't tested the government, you know, since the Second World War, we haven't tested the government. And one lady said to me, yeah, but we are free in Norway. Uh, and I've never had any trouble. No, but you don't know if you're free, if you haven't tested it. Because if you live a life and you do as you're told, you will never test it. The minute you actually try to say no, you will start noticing what's really going on uh, around you. So, so many people are waking up, but it takes time. They say that when it happens in Norway, it happens there in the rest of the world. <laughs> many people have said that. It's actually a warning, though, to the rest of the world. Because right now, in a lot of the different countries, in Canada as well, and in, in the United States, is the United States being proposed, but Canada just passed laws about internet censorship, about, uh, you know, control of what um, media do on the internet. And it's really concerning. What would be, um, you know, your message to Canadians, to Americans about safeguarding their freedoms? I think maybe Canadians in many ways are a little bit similar to the Norwegian people because they're also a little bit, uh, I think, humble uh, people who who don't stick their nose out. They are a little bit laid back as uh, we are here. I'm from the north of Norway. It's quite different uh, than from the south, uh, from the Arctic. I don't think there is anything which are... Uh, uh, found it, found it in uh, a law. So if you don't comply and test your own boundaries by uh, asking for help um, above, uh, be protected by um, the light and the love, and and just uh, make sure that you know that you decide. And it's magic because the minute you try, you do that, they lose the grip on you because fear is what they run on. You know, the dark government uh, agencies and, and energy are run on fear. So if all of us is working uh, within and with um, the belief system, because in Norway has lost their faith in, in the creation, um, where we come from, the laws doesn't work if they don't have divine authority uh, to to take it from. And if we try as people to to open up to to that belief of the divine um, creation, if you want to call it God, if you want to uh, call it the light or the love, that's uh, up to. But 
I think we are where we are now because we've forgotten about it, that we come from that source. So that's what I want to say. I say it to my clients. I say it to my children. I say it to myself every day, remind myself that there are no authorities above us. It's an illusion. That's the illusion. And if you believe the illusion, you are trapped in the matrix or what we want to call it. I think for, especially Canada has been quite good. I think the convoy, the so Canadians have been fighting back in much greater degree than we have. Uh, there has been protests and people have, have said, uh, yeah. So I speak a lot with a, a friend of mine in British Columbia and um, yeah, it seems like um, Norway is a little bit lagging behind actually when it comes to fighting back. Were you inspired at all by the Canadian truckers? Yes. I was up absolutely. So it was fantastic to see people standing up against this, and um, and that was really, really something inspiring for us, actually. So I don't think we have anything to teach. Uh, it's actually we that has to look to others to see how you combat this thing, actually. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. We are definitely learning from you though in, in that, you know, you're even further down this same road that we're going down. And um, we did, my, my cameraman here, Miles, we were with the truckers. We went to Ottawa went all around, spoke to them, very heroic men and women, at great cost to their own families, they did this. And, and now some of them, of course, you know, Tamara Litch and, and, uh, is, is facing jail and, and court, and they're being held. So we do have some of that same thing as well, but you could say, okay, but your case was, <laughs> was so strange because it was just telling statistics and showing what you'd think normal citizens should want to see. So where do you go from here? What are, what are the next steps? We're raising funds to legal. Uh, so we have 130,000 kronos already. So we are, we are well financially. So the court case can go on. Um, and um, yeah, um, it's got a lot of intentions. So I'm not used to that actually, but uh, yeah. Seen in Spanish newspapers and um, all over the world, actually, and especially Norway, and it's got a lot of, yeah, a lot of attention. And maybe it has awakened some people up, and they see something is wrong when they they see that you can get into psychiatric ward just because posting statistics and and um, pointing out maybe logical um, uh, inconsistencies in the narrative and stuff like that. That's mostly what I've done. Uh, so so um, it's so absurd that people don't believe that the facts in the case actually. Maybe it's, it's a door opener, maybe it's something that can maybe turn out to be something that can be used positive and maybe open people's eyes and, and um, 
maybe get some precedence in a court case or something. Had many lawsuits the last couple of years uh, due to the COVID crisis. Uh, work uh, law, people have been fired because they didn't take the tests or the vaccines. And, and now we have a case in, in the Supreme Court. And that also precedent case that we have got uh, from um, the district attorney. Now uh, the Supreme Court has a message from the district attorney to wait a ruling in this case, that the PCR test case, before the EU does its uh, verdict in two like cases. So we have lost in many ways our sovereignty in Norway because when the Supreme Courts get the message to wait for the EU court and what they have to say about it. So maybe the Holland uh, case will just fight its way to the, the system because all of those cases who are uh, can create precedents, but it has a, a, a real power anyway. I, even though you, you lose its uh, its power, because it's like the the light is pushing through in so many ways. So I think it's um, it's going to be very interesting to to do this case and and to actually listen to what they managed to say in the next court, because the doctor who was uh, uh, deciding all of what happened to 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 Holland, uh, she didn't bother in the court to explain how she could claim that he had posted uh, frequent uh, posts on Facebook because she didn't even read it, you know. And uh, the 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 last letter Holland you sent to me. Uh, from the complaint. It was an anonymous um, um, report to the police and it was nothing criminal. Everything was in, in, in the legal frame when it comes to, to freedom of expression. So, uh, But it came anonymous from the police to the hospital, but the hospital didn't have any papers, or any information from that. So how can they take a decision? They haven't even any information from this um, this. Um, uh, anonymous source. Um, yeah, it's it's so absurd. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, how they can go to the police and and just say they was frequently posting and it was um, a conspiracy and they didn't read it. But the reason that just before they came, I posted some statistics and I could put everything in one in one post. But I posted each country in each post, so I posted forty posts um, just before they came. Um, because I took one in one post. I could have uh, taken all of those countries in one post. So it was just pressing uh, post on all of those. I had looked through them in advance um, and uh, yeah. The anonymous source who called in this, we asked the hospital and the lawyers on the other side representing the hospital to provide that information because you, you have the right to, to see who is your uh, you know, uh, reporter who is reporting me. It could be in the neighborhood, it could be in family. It's very important to get this uh, thing out. And and I I do that in every case I have. We always get who it is. Maybe not the same day, but within a week. But in this case, we never got it. So my guess, if I should be a little bit bold, it is the police itself. You know, that uh, little department who is supervising uh, the, 
the red flag the Norwegians. First of all, let me thank you for what you're doing, because what you're doing is a great service, Tron, for what you've already suffered. Uh, but thank you for doing it in such a way that you could get free and, and not get drugged up. That was very important because your story uh, is, is very, very important for the rest of the world to wake up and see. Hopefully, your case will wake up Norway as well. But you are a, a very great warning uh, to all the other countries that are thinking of going down the same road and the public allowing this kind of thing. Uh, Barbara Paulson, thank you so much for fighting this, uh, as you've explained that you've been doing. And I totally agree with you that um, it is the divine outlook that we need to have to save us from the tyranny that we're experiencing. Because uh, if we forget that we were created by God and are going to be responsible to him, then um, in the end, people think, oh, well, it's just for what we can get here. And that gets pretty brutal. Thank you both very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you and God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time.